So the passage you'll be reading today is 1 John 2, 18 to 27. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, this is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Now, Andrew is going to take us through the passage. Thank you very much, Shona, for, for leading us. And uh, yeah, good evening, everyone. If we haven't met yet, I think um, I've met pretty much all of you, if not all of you, but if we don't know each other, um, I'm, I'm Andrew. I'm the, the trainee pastor here. And um, yeah, it's good, to, it's good to be with you um, this evening. So um, yeah, please do have that passage um, remaining open um, before you um, as we go through 1 John chapter 2 from verse 18. I wonder if you've seen the quiz program, Would I Lie to You? Uh, I expect many of you would have done. It's a popular comedy uh, game show that's been on, I think, for about 15 years uh, now in all. And um, yeah, it's hosted by Rob Brydon. And um, basically, if you, haven't, if you haven't seen it, it's a pretty simple concept. Um, different uh, two teams and the panel members each take it in turns to, to tell a story. And uh, by various questions by the opposing team, opposing team um, they have to work out whether it's a, a, an elaborate lie or whether it's actually the, the truth. In, it, in itself. And the number of the, uh, the truths or the lies are quite hard to spot. I mean, they don't get anyone off the street. These are, these, these are sort of comedy geniuses who are good at twisting the truth and good at telling stories. And um, some, you know, some stories are so elaborate, they have an appearance of a lie when in fact they're true. And uh, some lies are equally hard to spot. Um, apparently, some of the surprising truths are David Mitchell used to be scared of the sun. And uh, Bob Mortimer, Mortimer once accidentally set fire to his house using fireworks back in the day. I better not uh, move around too much. Um, but yeah, some, sometimes in today's society, I think uh, sometimes it's quite hard to work out the truth from the lie. I think that says something about um, the, the truth in today's society. Sometimes the, the lines are blurred between what is the truth and what is a lie. And the truth actually is not the most popular thing in today's society. To tell someone the truth, um, it's not always very popular. What is true for me may be different to what is true for you. And certainly an absolute truth, what is true for everybody, well, it's okay to believe that for yourself, but don't try and push it onto to anyone else. And maybe that started to affect our own confidence in truth. Maybe as Christians, that started to erode a little bit our confidence in knowing what is the truth, and knowing um, that that is the complete truth. Well, John in this passage talks a lot about truth 
and lies. He makes it very, very clear to us what the truth is, as well as what the lie is. And he reassures the believers that the truth is all that we need. The truth is the whole truth, and this is all that we need for life. That's very kind of uh, Neil and Simon to give me a nice, easy passage on the Antichrist uh, when they're away. Um, so I'll be thanking them this week. And the Antichrist comes up quite a bit in this, uh, in this passage. And first of all, we're going to focus um, on the lie, the lie. So we need to, first of all, before we get to the truth, we need to recognize the lie, recognize the lie for what it is. John's speaking about the Antichrist quite a lot. The Antichrist comes, it's the first time it comes up in the book of John, and um, it's only in the book of John where the, where the actual word Antichrist is, is used. But it's been a couple of weeks, isn't it, since we've looked at 1 John, so we may just need a bit of reminding about what John's purpose is. And John's purpose is to reassure believers that actually they've been given the truth, and the false teachers, what they are teaching is, is, is false, and to resist the attack from the false teachers because they've been given everything that they need. And in verse, so first of all, we, we've, got a very, we've got a number of questions to answer, um, which, which um, not Paul, John, uh, answers in this passage. And first of all, it's what is the Antichrist? So what, what is the Antichrist all about? And rather than typing into Google and seeing what the internet thinks, it's much much better to see what John says, what the Bible says about the Antichrist. Well, in verse 18, he says, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. So it's, it's clear from this verse that it's not just one person. Actually, there are many Antichrists. Elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about the man of lawlessness and I'm not, we're not going to get into a debate tonight about um, whether there's one particular man or um, what, what's clear from this passage is that there are, in fact, many antichrists. And they're already here. And as the clue in, in, in the name, antichrist is someone that is against Christ. Not just someone who is against Christ, but someone who, in some, in some places, in some contexts, pretends to be Christ, pretends to be uh, claiming to be Christ themselves. And our second question is, when will the Antichrist or the Antichrists come? Well, we've just seen from that verse that they've already come. So John is writing in the last hour. He says, this is the last hour. It's a sense of urgency here, sense that something is, is coming. It's the last hour. And really, that is talking about the time between the two comings of Christ. So the first time of Christ, when Jesus was on this earth, for the first time, he died, rose again, and ascended up to heaven. And the second coming of Christ, whenever that will be, when he, when he comes in all his, his glory for the second time. Now, you may have heard elsewhere in the Bible uh, other terms that are very, very similar. So the last days, the last day, um, the last, um, yeah, the last days is the most common time, um, com common phrase. But really, it's talking about the same thing. There's a, a bit more sense of uh, urgency that John is using here, but it's the time between these two comings of Christ. And it's a current threat. So it was a current threat for the original hearers, for the original believers, and it is a present threat for us today. So our third question, what marks their belief and behavior? 
So what are they about? What, what do they state and how do they act? Well, verse 22 tells us very plainly that the Antichrist denies that Jesus is the Christ. So they deny that Jesus is the Christ. And because they are denying the Christ, denying the Son, they are denying the Father. Remember, the Son and the Father are one. So you can't have one without the other. If they're denying the Son, they're denying the Father and vice versa. Some of these false teachers were teaching that Jesus was a man who um, Christ descended on, gave him a divine power for, for a limited time, and then left Jesus when he went up to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. And John calls it for what it is. He doesn't mince his words here. He says it's a lie. The Antichrist is a liar. He's not telling the truth. Now, if I was just to get you to turn to your person next, next to you and say, well, why is it important that Jesus is the Christ? What, what would you say? Why is that so important? Why is that so vital in the Christian faith? I wonder what you would say. Well, the verse that may spring to mind is uh, Matthew 16, verse 16, where, remember, Jesus and his disciples are together, and Jesus wants to get a bit of a flavor about what people are saying about him. Some say John the Baptist, some say um, Elijah, or one of the prophets. But he says to Peter, what about you? Who do you say I am? And you may remember the answer. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Messiah and Christ are used in different translations. They're essentially meaning the same thing. The anointed one, Jesus, the one who is spoken about long ago by prophets, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, to come as the saviour, the saviour of mankind. No ordinary man, but the one who is to come and accomplish God's salvation through himself. It wasn't like he was anointed for a brief time. This was Jesus, the son of God, God himself, from eternity past, coming in the form of, of man. This was no ordinary person. You see, it's so important that if Jesus was not the Christ, there would be no salvation for us. He wouldn't be sufficient to achieve uh, salvation in our place. No ordinary person would be able to take on the sin on the cross. Only a perfect being, only God, son, the Son of God himself, is able to do that for us. And there's something, something else in that last question. There's one last thing that John just talks about, wants to make known to us about the Antichrist. They are from within. From verse 19, they went out from us. So they did not, but he goes on to say, they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Now, what John is saying there is that eventually they get found out. Eventually, they are not genuine Christians, and they are, they're known by that, by their departing from the group. If they had truly belonged, they would have remained, but their departing shows they never truly belonged in the first place. Those truly saved, we're not going to get into to, to all of that debate tonight, but those who are truly saved will never abandon Christ by his grace. That's what we believe, isn't it? That's what we know as Christians. Believers belong, but deniers depart. 
Sun Tzu was a Chinese military general, a strategist and philosopher who lived 500 years BC. And he's credited as the author of the book, The Art of War, an influential work of military strategy used by many Western as well as uh, many East Asian military thinking. And he said that knowing your enemy is a key to success in battle. Thinking like your enemy, anticipating what your next move um, the, in the, the enemy would do, and even living like the enemy is crucial to knowing how to win the battle against the enemy. Your readiness for battle was only half the story. A line from that book says, if we know that our own men are in a condition to attack, but are unaware that the enemy is not open to attack, we have gone only halfway towards victory. So John here is stressing that we need to recognize the threat. We need to have our eyes opened to what this heresy is. Because friends, we're in a spiritual battle, aren't we? We are believing things that the evil one doesn't want us to believe in. We're in a battle daily to continue to believe the truth, a truth that many people don't like. Jesus is the absolute central person to the Christian faith, Jesus being the only way to God. The world doesn't like it. The evil one doesn't like it. And there is a threat. There is a threat out there. But friends, we need to be reminded sometimes about this threat and to be reminded of how severe this is to the Christian faith. Absolutely central to the Christian faith. If Jesus was not the Christ, then there would be no salvation. And it's a threat. It's a heresy that has carried through every part of church history. If you look back at church history throughout um, 2000 years, you can see this attack has happened at every stage. So it, it's out there and it's present. It's a current threat today. So first of all, we need to recognize it. We need to call it for what it is and we need to have our eyes open to it. Well, that's the first section. That's the first section. Then John gives us two further tactics to aid us in our defense against this attack. And, and firstly, our second point is recall the truth. Recall the truth. After calling out the lie, he now looks to reassure the believers and to give them assurance that they have the truth. They have it and they do not need to look anywhere else. So it's worth us reading verses 20 to 21 out again. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. So we have the truth. And the truth, first and foremost, is received. See, we have, it, we have an anointing from the Holy One. Not that we can boast, not that we can be proud. We have this truth that has been revealed to us. And the Holy One, well, who is the Holy One? Well, we can look at various different passages for this, but one passage that you may remember for our morning services is John chapter 6 and verse 69. And this is Jesus and the disciples. Remember, Jesus um, says, the Simon Peter answers, that, they, that, that Jesus says to the disciples, you know, are you going to leave me as well? Remember, loads of people have left him, and they say to, they, um, Jesus says to his disciples, what about you? What are you going to do? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So the Holy One is Jesus. And also, 
first of all, we have the truth, and next, it's received through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. The, the word here for anointing is charisma, which is used to describe the anointing through the Holy Spirit at conversion. See, the Holy Spirit is fundamental to us first becoming Christians, convicting us of our sin and our need of Christ. And Titus chapter 3, verses 4 to 6, explains this for us. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. See, this is called regeneration. The Holy Spirit regenerates us, convicts us of our sin, and he gives us a new birth. That's where we get the phrase of born-again Christian. He gives us new life. And when Jesus departed this earth, he promised us the indwelling Holy Spirit in our hearts as an ongoing gift. At John chapter 16, verse 13, says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So do you see it? Jesus is the one who is the truth, but the Holy Spirit is there to guide us into the truth. They are working as one. They are not working independent of each other, but the Holy Spirit guides us to the truth of Jesus. So Christian, just ponder for a moment the gift you've been given. When you became a Christian, you were convicted of that sin and you had that first awakening. But it wasn't like you were just left on your own. It wasn't like that first day of school when the four-year-old at reception, off you go now, you know, I've done so much, and they're left to their own devices. No, the Holy Spirit is given to us to continue to help us, to continue to guide us into truth. Friends, let's just thank God, thank the Holy Spirit that he continues to show us the truth. The reason why you're here tonight is that you want to uh, sing about the truth and hear about the truth because the Holy Spirit is working in your life. The reason you're, keep, you're continuing to go in your Christian walk and you're keeping going is because of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And that's a wonderful thing. So recall it. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. And our next heading here is, it's the complete truth. It's the complete truth. Verse 27, as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and, that as, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Now, you do not need anyone to teach you. That doesn't mean that we can all go home now and we don't need anyone to, to teach us. We don't need to hear sermons or hear Bible studies. No, of course, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we know all things. We'd only be God if we knew everything. But it means that God's truth is complete. God's truth is all sufficient for life. It's not like he's revealed certain part to us and then we're left to our own devices to figure out the rest. It's a complete jigsaw with no pieces missing. And we don't know everything about life and about, about God. We, 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 are, we are not God himself, but everything that we need for life, God has revealed. Who we are, who God is, who Jesus is. He has 
revealed everything about the truth of the gospel and how we can be friends with him again. When, was, when the last time you um, filled up with car at the petrol station, when you get to the, get to the top and you, you hear those clicks, it, it's, it's full up. You can't fill your car any, any more with petrol or diesel. That's a filled up car ready to go to the limit. And that's a bit of a picture about our truth that we've received. It's a complete truth. There's nothing missing. There's no bits for us to top up. It's a complete truth. And you're lacking nothing in your understanding of it. And like I said at the start, truth is a controversial topic, isn't it, in today's society? As Christians, we can be known for being narrow-minded and bigoted and arrogant to say that we've got the whole truth. In a kick against authority, we don't like people telling us the truth. We don't like people telling us um, and giving authority over us. And one person's truth is okay as long as you keep it to yourself. And we're told there's no such thing as an absolute truth, a universal fact for all. But do you see the irony in that message in itself by giving that message that you are giving an absolute truth? So I wonder what the voice of the cultural truth narrative may be telling you right now. What influences, what voices are you hearing during the week as, as you work, as you serve, as you are with your family, as you are in the world? Maybe it's that Jesus is not the only way to God, but it's one of many paths up the mountain. Maybe it's Jesus is, is all for love. Love is love. And it doesn't have to be between a man and a woman in a marriage relationship. That, that's, that's pretty old and traditional. But whatever it may be, we've been given the truth about Jesus Christ. And it's a truth for all. It's a complete truth. And perhaps you need to be reminded of that tonight. Perhaps you need to be reminded about the truth of who Jesus is. And sometimes we can push that truth down like a beach ball pushing below the surface of a water. Eventually, it will resurface for revealing the truth for what it is. Let that truth resurface if you need to tonight. Hear it again for what it is. When someone is convicted of a crime in a court of law, they have to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And it's the title I've, uh, I've given to my sermon this evening. But we can't trust people to give us that whole truth, can we? We can't trust people to admit uh, lies and to tell the truth for what it is. We're all fallen human beings. But we can trust God to give us the whole truth, the complete truth, and nothing but the truth, the absolute truth. Because nothing but the truth is acceptable. Everything else is a lie. Friends, stand firm. You know the truth. The truth has been given to you. And it's all that you need for life. So third, thirdly, and our next tactic against this attack from false teachers is to remain in him, to remain in him. John is not just saying, recall the truth of the past. Okay, remember that truth. Remember that from, from long ago. Can, you know, remember that. He's also saying, continue in it. Continue in it remain if you look at verses 24 to 27 we won't read it again but the word remain comes up many many times in that small section john is commanding the believers to remain in christ to continue to him 
And without fear of uh, stepping onto Sam's toes for next week too much, in verse 28, he continues with that. Dear children, continue in him. So it's, 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 a, it's a message here that is, is so prominent in this passage. We're not just called to believe in a doctrine. We're not just called to believe in a truth and get the truth right. We are called to trust in a person. We're called to trust in who Jesus is and to remain in him. And I think this gets to the heart of who God is. God is relational in his very being. God has always been like that. He's always existed in perfect harmony in, in eternity past. And by his grace, he invites us into that relationship. So are you truly remaining in him tonight? Don't make the mistake of looking in the wrong place for life. It's entirely possible to know lots about God and to know about the Bible without knowing God himself. Maybe that's the first thing you need to do this evening. Maybe you need to first trust in the Lord Jesus and to trust in who he is as a person rather than knowing lots about him. And again, a, a verse from our morning services, I think, applies well here. In John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders and says, you, you, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So the life is not found in knowing about Jesus. Life is not found in knowing your Bible well, knowing the doctrines well. The life is found in, in knowing him, knowing him, being in relationship with him. And the other place where I think, so John writes about this very clearly is John 15, remaining in the vine remaining in the vine and we'll just read those uh, few verses now just i think it just helps explain what this uh, what this is sorry john 15 john 15 verses uh, oh, i'll just read from the from the screen i am the true vine so jesus is talking i am the true vine and my father is a gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So what does it mean to remain in Christ? Well, it means to abide in him, to be joined with Christ. Just like that, that branch and the, and the vine, it means being, being one, knowing that Jesus is the source of life. Jesus' words, beliefs are our words and beliefs. Jesus is, 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 is life and his, his truth is our truth. And from the picture of the, of the vine and the branches, it's all or nothing. You see, we can't pick and choose what truth we want to take and what truth we don't like. But being connected to the vine means that his truths are our truths. Whole of his words are the whole of our words. And what is the result when we abide in Christ? We bear much fruit. We bear wonderful fruit like you can see in the picture. We produce fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. It means to be connected to Christ and to have all of his words 
And it's a beautiful thing when we remain in Christ because we are bearing fruit individually and collectively as a body. But sometimes, as you saw from that passage, sometimes we look at our lives and when we look at our lives, do we think that they reflect the whole truth of Jesus? Do they really reflect the wholeness of Jesus's words and teachings? Maybe some part of our lives do and others don't. An important part of growth in connection with the vine is pruning. See, pruning is not pleasant. It's not something you, you choose to do. Yes, please, I have a bit more pruning, please. It, it's something that's necessary, though, to enable growth. So I wonder if there are any areas of your life where you need God to prune. Areas of your life that aren't consistent with the truth that Jesus talks about in this passage. That internet site you shouldn't be looking at. Or that harsh way he speaks to your wife when, when home from work. Or that affirming of that Christian friend in a same-sex relationship. Remember the truth. The truth, the whole truth. And nothing but the truth. It's all you need. It's all you need. So keep looking to it. And what is the result? By remaining in Christ, we produce fruit. And this proves our faith genuine. And what does that result in? It results in belonging. Belonging and remaining in the body of Christ. By remaining in Christ, we remain with each other. So recognize the lie. Recall the truth and remain in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you've made it so clear to us what your truth is. We thank you that we don't have to ponder and we don't have to scrabble around in the dark, still scratching our heads, trying to work out who you are, trying to work out who Jesus is. We thank you so much that you've revealed it so plainly, so clearly in your word. And thank you that Jesus came to this earth and he showed us what truth is he showed us who you are thank you so much father that you've revealed this truth to many many of us in this room this evening and lord god we're just so grateful um, for your generosity in revealing that to us father may it not just be something of the past may we continue in this truth by remaining in him remaining in christ we thank you for the giver of life that he is. We thank you that he gives us fruit in abundance as we remain in him. So Father, we just praise you and we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.